All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, screwheads, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. I am Dan. And I'm Andrew. And we are two friends who met over in South Korea and share a love for horror movies. So, this is our podcast where we pick a different movie every single session and we go ahead and we talk about it. I was about to say week, but then I was just like, yeah, that's, it, that's it's absolutely. Been <laughs> yeah, but we've, been, we've been really good. We've been great. We've been, we've been, been good wonderful with a consistent schedule. You know, yeah. it's always podcasting has always been, hey, why don't, uh, you know, release a consistent schedule? That's like the number one thing to do. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Got it. Got it in one. 100%. We're yep, great about totally, that. Totally, to- totally doing it. <laughs> Killing it. Killing it. Killing it 100%. Anyway, so we are two friends, met over in South Korea, love horror movies, and we dismember and dissect and talk about a new horror movie every single show. And today's show is going to be, or today's movie is going to be the Korean film Train to Busan. But before we get started, Andrew, how's life? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty awesome, man. How's the dog? He is behind me, sleep, no, 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 he's moving around a lot, you'll hear him. He's there. He exists. He's there. He exists. He's still alive. Good to yep. know. He apparently lost two pounds since his last vet visit. That told me, and which is bad. He's like the thinnest dog on earth. But oh man, my fat he's cat. fat dog food now. Could lose two pounds. <laughs> he's a fat boy. Ugh. Anyway, so I picked this movie, and yes. the reason why I picked this movie is once again we met in South Korea. Korean horror has been a subgenre that I've seen a little bit here and there. Like, I was looking up lists of, like, best Korean horror flicks, and I was getting stuff like Old Boy, which I don't consider a horror movie at no. all. I mean, it's a terrifying ending, but it's not a horror movie. No. Yeah. And we, both of us, have been exposed to a lot of Korean culture because we both lived there for over two years. Um, and that's actually, once again, how we met. This was a huge, huge, huge deal, kid, when it came out. Um, this came out in 2016. It is the uh, Train to Busan, directed by Yon Sein-ho. And it was a massive, massive success over there. Um, one of my friends who's currently staying with me, she said that over in Korea, during that time when she was there, it just exploded. She couldn't turn anywhere without seeing it. It was basically what Frozen was to the U.S. Train to Busan was over there. I'd almost say Frozen over there was bigger than it was in the U.S. too, though. That is true. Frozen <laughs> was absolutely massive over there. Oh, God. So, Train to Busan, horror movie. Um, it is set on the KTX, which is basically the Korean equivalent of the bullet train. But please, 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 please don't call it a bullet train because they will get mad at you. Well, it's not, you... it's not even like a bullet train. It's just the regular train. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's super, like a, it's a just super the, fast it's train. Trans- like, it, it's not that fast, is it? It's yes, it's fast. Out. I can get to Seoul to Busan in like three and a half hours. Yeah, but it's it's, it's like their standard train, though. It's not like it's like it's not like a. No, is there's it? regular trains too. Yeah, KTX is, it... is the fastest uh, model train that they have in the country. They have regular slower trains as well. Listen, I commuted to Gyeongju like every single weekend. Yeah, oh. like I, 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 I never taken shit. that KTX. I never knew that. I, I just assumed it was their transcontinental. No. Nope. No, uh, KTX is basically, yeah, the equivalent of the bullet train, super, super fast train. But it is a very ubiquitous thing and very powerful thing in Korean culture. So, zombie movie set on a train in South Korea. The premise 
just based on the fact that I lived there for two years, was interesting to me. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. I, I, it'd be interesting to see a take on a Korean zombie movie because I hadn't seen any Korean zombie movies yet. And I believe there's still the one. There's the Netflix show Kingdom, um, which is set during the uh, Shila period, um, so in ancient Korea, and that's a zombie flick as well. I haven't seen that yet. I do want to because I've heard good things. But this is pretty much your standard, typical zombie movie. Before we get started, though, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. What makes a good zombie movie? You know, I, I actually, I, I, I'm thinking about that. And I, I think that's kind of hard to say, because I feel like just the standard of good is a question. Like, mm-hmm. so for example, like, you know, Ramiro, people talk about like, the social commentary and stuff, and that, that, that's a good zombie movie. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, like, I would, I would argue that, um, the Day of the Dead, or the, sorry, the Dawn of the Dead remake isn't doesn't as much social commentary, but I think it's still a good zombie movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for different reasons, I feel like there is that highbrow zombie movie, or at least, actually, I have a question for you. Do you think that zombie movies are highbrow? I think like, they absolutely can be. I think they can touch on themes that really get to the center of once again, like you, the exact words you just said, social commentary and cultural commentary. I think the best zombie films touch on that. They have some element of social commentary or cultural commentary, and it says something about that culture, something unique to say, and that's and they use zombies to make that statement. But I, I, I don't know. Like I, I think you know, obviously, when Night of the Dead first came out, it was you know it was its own thing. Um, they, they used the term zombies for that one, but uh, and like you know, it was newer. It was a new genre, and it was a new. Uh, kind of commentary in its own way, but I feel like the the commentary itself was very tertiary, though. You know, like all mm-hmm. those movies, it's like consumerism or like racist assholes. Like mm-hmm. it's there's there's a lot of the commentary is there, but is it very deep? Is it saying no. something super significant? Because mm-hmm. like this this film, actually, I want to ask you later about the commentary they're making. Um, I think it's pretty obvious what the commentary is, but and I was watching it, I was like, this is a pretty common commentary mm-hmm. and one that. Is interesting because I think it's very inherent in Korean culture. I think the when we talk about that later, but I think the problem they're addressing and what they're pointing out is very. Is, Why don't you just yeah. give me what you think the problem Terry is right now? Is it the class structure? Yeah, yeah, it's uh-huh. classism. Like it's, yeah. it's you know, which I think a lot of zombie movies are, but this, but I think that the classism and also um, you know, not to hark back to the Seoul incident, but the tendency to uh, follow blindly those of power, mm-hmm. um, which I think was. Like I was watching, it, I just kept thinking about the Sable thing when I was thinking when you saw the uh, the businessman basically taking over the train just because he has authority and people listen to him. I was just like, wow, this is exactly how that happened. Yeah, um, uh, so we talk yeah, about that later. Yeah, and yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later, definitely. But I do think that the best zombie movies have some sort of element of social commentary. But I will agree with you. Generally, they're not very deep. They're not very. Um, they don't state a lot. They just kind of state it and that's it. But I do feel there needs to be that to make it a good zombie movie. Um, but would you, or, would you argue the that, that just makes a good movie in general, though? Not just yeah. a zombie movie, but any good movie. And that's what I think is unique about zombies compared to other horror tropes, other horror stuff, is that it does add itself very easily to social commentary based on that. The mm. other thing I think makes a... Tense zombie movie. I mean, Shaun of the Dead is one of my favorite movies of all time. It is a zombie movie. However, it is definitely not a tense movie. It's a comedy. Yeah. Uh, but claustrophobia. Yeah. That's another thing, too, that makes a good, good zombie movie. And 
there are the zombie movies when you're just traveling from one place to the other. It's just definitely not as intense as if they're trapped in a mall or trapped into an underground bunker or trapped in a apartment complex or whatever it is that they have. So this movie, once again, very, very heavy set. Korean director, Korean actors, all filmed in Korea. Um, let's get into the premise, and I guess we'll just pop on into our themes and commentary when we get to the scenes. Sounds good. Okay. So, we start off with our opening scene, which is in the countryside of Korea. It doesn't exactly say where it is, probably somewhere up north. And it is our little teaser scene where this Korean Atushi, who's an old man, basically, uh, gets stopped and says that the area is under quarantine. He decides to break quarantine anyway, and as he goes on through, he accidentally hits a zombie deer. The zombie deer, after he drives away, pops on up with this dead, glazed look in its eyes, and it's just like, holy shit, the dead are coming back to life. I didn't like this opening scene. No? Because, one, it's very cliched, and two, it has no bearing on the rest of the plot, and three, the zombie animals never come back up again in the entire movie. Well, that's because we're on a train. We don't really see those very often. Yeah, but I mean, there's like zombie birds or zombie stuff. I don't know. There were animals in Korea, and I felt like they're gonna, if they're going to introduce the element of zombie animals, it's got to be a Jackoff's gun. It's got to have something coming on back there. But you know, I didn't. I'm okay with that, because well, I think it's I think it's also a nice contrast, because, like again, if we're in this corporate kind of society, like they only stop. We only really see them stop at major places, major mm-hmm. cities, where there would not be as many animals. But then again, that's where the KTX stations are. There aren't KTX stations above Huck Nowhere. Well, yeah. no, no, no. Gyeongju's KTX station was like 20 minutes outside the city. Yeah, I will, enough. will admit that. But that was yeah. weird. But yeah, but you know, overall, like they they they, made, they mostly stopped at the major places, and they even said they were going to pass through a lot of the other stops because mm-hmm. we only saw them stop at like, uh, Gyeong, uh, they stopped at Dongdaegu. They stopped at Daejeon. Daejeon. They stopped. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's on, just, I guess, at the end. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, they kind of stopped at the end. Sort of they're going. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like, I, I think it kind of makes sense there weren't many animals. And, like, also, like, you know, if there were animals they, and they were zombie animals and they wanted to eat people, they'd probably be going towards large masses of people, not towards... Mm-hmm. But once again, if you're going to introduce the element of zombie animals and the rest of the movie is not going to include animals, why include the animals at all? Why not do anything with it? That just, that irked me. Well, because it's 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 showing it's because you don't because otherwise if they show you the zombie human, which is the you know the the villain, they show you the villain early on, you know, it wouldn't be as shocking. So that that's that we didn't see our first zombie until that girl turned mm-hmm. that, um, on the train like thirty. But why include in. this opening scene at all then? We know it's zombies. We know the premise. Well, the idea too is that it's showing um, it in- included for us that. The government's aware of it. They're trying to kind of keep a button on it. You know, again, mm-hmm. that, that idea of like, you know, there's the there's the every man coming through and they're like, oh, go in there. You know, like, you can't do this. And he's like, you know, he complains about the pigs and shit. And I'm like, fine, go in. Like, mm-hmm. they don't like really care about him. They, you know, they're doing their job. It's, it's, it honestly, again, it's that, I hate to say it, but it's that kind of like that culture of following the rules and the bureaucracy, but not mm-hmm. really caring about why. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I guess this would be a good place to touch on it. Cause we've kind of harped on it already. Korea has a very strict hierarchy system where it is extremely, extremely rare. You go against someone who's higher up than you. 
Um, and it's also extremely offensive to go beyond someone. Like if I had a problem with my principal or if I had a problem with an administrator um, in my school district, I would have to contact my principal and vice principal first. And if I went behind that back, that would be a major, major, major cultural no-no. And it applies to every sort of social hierarchy, social standing. One of the big things that they do over there is they ask your age. And age is one component of that. If you are older, you are at a baseline more respected. But you also have more responsibility as well. Hmm. So the everyman truck driver at the very beginning, like you're saying, is... Basically, the blue-collar worker of Korean culture. And, yeah, he's not respected at all because of his job title, of his status. And that does incorporate elements of classism in there. Mm. Okay. So now we're introduced. Uh, we cut on over. That guy's never seen again. The zombie deer is never seen again. To our main character, Sokwu, who mm. is a adult man. He is divorced. He is a fund manager, a workaholic, and he has a young daughter who he doesn't see too often. So, um, basically, Suan is his daughter. Um, she's about elementary age, and she is having a birthday up ahead. He has to ask his assistants to say, hey, what are things that kids are into nowadays? He gets her a Wii. However, once he actually gives the um, item to her, or the Wii to her, she's already got one. She got it for Children's Day, which is another holiday in Korea. Hmm. The only thing that Suan wants, the daughter, is she wants a trip to Busan to see her, fa- her mother. It is heavily, heavily implied, if not outright stated, that Sokwu and his ex-wife are not on good terms hmm. at all. And... Sokwu, the dad, just feels really, really bad about being absent. But he decides, you know what, I'm going to go ahead. I will take you down to Busan tomorrow. The movie starts in Seoul, which is obviously the capital city on the north end of Korea. Busan is the beach city on the southern end of Korea. So they are literally the two furthest apart cities, I think. Well, major, major. The two major cities, yeah. Yeah, the two major cities. They're, They're the two biggest cities, and they're also on opposite ends of the country. But... It's about a three- to five-hour train ride on the KTX, obviously faster if there's no zombies attacking. But it's a pretty common trip. It's a pretty common thoroughfare. Yeah, like you, you've ridden the KTX. Like you've, we've, we've both ridden that train yeah. to destination before. Oh, yeah. Like any, anytime you get, like any, when we lived in Daegu, anytime you come back from the airport, you usually land in Seoul, and you take the KTX down and get off before Busan, where we lived mm-hmm. in Daegu. Yeah. So we, and, we've ridden that train. <laughs> yeah. And to really hammer in how compact and how easy it is to get around the country, there was one trip I had to Japan where I accidentally booked the wrong day for returning back to Korea. Um, my original ticket was for Seoul. The only thing they could squeeze in for me so I can get to work the next day was Busan. So I literally flew into the opposite of the country. I was still able to get back to my city within the night. So... Public transit's really good over there. Yeah, public transit. That was, that's like the one thing I loved about Korea was public transit. That was oh, awesome. it's so good. Didn't have to drive for two years. It was wonderful. It was amazing. Yep. So anyway, this dad and his daughter hop on the train. And it is a high-class, high-speed um, train that will get them to their destination. And we are introduced to basically our various different types of characters on this train. So who are the characters we are going to be interacting with for the rest of the film? All right. Um, so... We get we get a few a few groups. Um, 
we get a, a businessman who's this kind of, who is a um, chief operations officer of mm-hmm. some big corporation that we ever, we ever learn. Um, no. There's a group of baseball players, like a high school group that uh, just finished a game. Um, there are two kind of older ladies, friends. Um, there is a couple, and I, I, for some reason, I always assumed that the, the male, the, the, the pregnant couple was the male was like a boxer or something. Was that mm-hmm. ever said? Was that just something I made up in my eyes? Uh, no, but that scene later on when he just completely wails on the zombies, that kind of gave you a lot of strength for that argument. Okay. So I just assumed yeah. that he was some like wrestler or some boxer who like, it's basically a, a well-off guy and his wife. Um, and he's very happy about his wife being pregnant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, yeah, they, I think they're my favorite characters. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they're, they're wonderful. Uh, just want to harp on that too. So the COO definitely, when we're talking about hierarchy and crane culture, he is definitely high up on that step ladder and he's able to get his way in a lot of things just in Korean culture. Yeah. So that's how that works. There's also a homeless man in the bathroom too. Oh, yeah, and, so he sneaks on. Yeah, he sneaks on. And we also, as the train is about to leave, we see the conductor kind of standing outside the door, um, kind of getting the all aboard signal. And a teenage looking girl kind of just runs onto the train, just in the background. Mm-hmm. As the train pulls away in Seoul Station, um, they notice at the top of the stairs there's some sort of commotion. People are standing around someone, and the phones are being out, and everyone's recording it. But no one's really sure what's going on. And the train pulls away. And we've got that. So when we get back to the homeless man in the dead bathroom, he sneaks on, and the homeless man basically just keeps repeating over and over again, all dead, all dead, all dead. Uh, the CEO, Yon Suk, uh, speaks to our protagonist's daughter and says, oh, you better study hard or you'll end up like that. And the daughter goes, well, mom says there's good in everybody, and you shouldn't talk like that. Well, actually, I love it because what she says is people who say that are bad. It's like my mom says people who oh, say yeah. that are bad, and I'm just That's like, right. yes. Like, uh-huh. Oh, so I, I love that. That's like my favorite, like one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, this first act, the setup and everything like that. Like the characters are very one notes. I'm not a huge fan of the first act. It's really until the second act when it really kicks in the high gear, and I like the movie a lot better. But it's very obvious what everyone's character archetype is. CEO, the uh, Chief Operations Officer, uh, what's his name, Yonsak Suk, is asshole, egotistical, rich, is used to everyone kissing his ass. Yeah. The daughter is the force of good. She can do no wrong, and she's the one that comes up to everyone and says, hey, cut that shit out. Mm-hmm. You gotta be nicer. Dad is overworked. Um, at one point later on in the movie, when shit hits the fan, he actually talks to his daughter and says, listen, you just got to look out for yourself. Don't help out other people. When she stands up to give a pregnant lady her seats. Yeah. I really didn't like the dad. Well, I think, I think, I think the dad, you know, the, the dad is, the dad is a victim of kind of the bureaucracy of like, of the time. Like, I think that's like, that's kind of what we get from is he, you know, he's, he's so busy at work. He, he wants like part of a Korean culture too, is this idea that like, you get merit and you get pride by being that person who's there the longest and by being the person who works the hardest. And like mm-hmm. the more, the more you sacrifice in your personal life shows how much more you care about your company. Yeah. And I, I felt the workaholic angle was fine a hundred percent, but then mm-hmm. he, they, they also gave him this really selfish, I've got mine streak. Don't help out other people. Only take what's yours. Well, I think, again, I think, I think that's, I think that's part of the, the corporate thing. I think that's the idea that you want to appear the best. You want to get ahead. You want to be the person who's like on top and making the most money. And like, I think that's like, again, not not to be some racist or terrible, but like, I think that Korea 
often advertises this we're a community where like you know it's not like america where people are individualistic we're all working together mm-hmm. but there's a darker side of that which is within your own class within your own group yes that is true you work together mm-hmm. but if there's a chance but if there's a hierarchy that you can climb and or people who aren't related to your hierarchy then know that you're not together you are individualistic you are working for yourself and i think yeah. he embodies that idea he works hard he spent he loses his family because his job expects it from him and it's what he expects to be able to be successful. Mm-hmm. And like at one point he even tells his daughter um, when he, when he hears about how she didn't finish the recital and he's like, cause his daughter does this, um, sings the song and there's a video of it and she ends up stopping and not wanting to finish it. Mm-hmm. And he talks to her and he says, he's like, uh, Suwon, whatever you do, finish it. No matter what it is, finish it. Mm-hmm. Which I think kind of drives his character a lot and like and because it's it is that look out for yourself but at the same time look out for your family for him like he's looking out he wants to do this work so he can afford things for her and buy her nice things but isn't actually making that human connection with her mm-hmm. and korea is a very collectivist culture um once again on the surface like you said where individuals people who stick out from the backs are kind of frowned upon um if it's, you know, here in America, individualism is promoted, everyone wants to be their own thing, and for the most part, the cultural the culture is very accepting of that. Japan, and Korea more so, in my opinion, is, once again, a very collectivist culture, where the needs of the country outweigh the needs of the individual. And in Japan, it's kind of manifested itself in um, one of the big driving factors in hikikomori, which are those people who just stay in their apartments all day, don't leave, they just completely remove themselves from society. But uh, the cutthroatness of this business, I mean, I, I didn't personally witness that in Korea, but yeah, I can see that. Well, because, you know, if, if, if you think of the CEO as part of that, the, theoretically, mm-hmm. he is, you know, a manager of a group, he has that experience, but he's still, he's like, his goal is always to put people who are below him up front in the front lines to get the damage, to take whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, he is what the father's becoming, I think is the idea. He is what the father's becoming, and the boxer guy is kind of the ideal. So I think it's mm-hmm. that kind of mix. Like, he's in between and is trying to decide where he wants to go, the father. He's kind of, he's at that, that purgatory, that state of change, fluctuation, where he could become the COO, or he could become the father, like, the, you know, the father figure that he wasn't. So I think, mm-hmm. I mean, that's those kind of the opposites. Those are the, it's the devil and the angel that mm-hmm. we see. The guy who's really excited about his daughter, wants to be there, wants to, you know, be, the supportive father, he sees that, but then he also sees the businessman who's cutthroat and has no sympathy for anybody, and that he's kind of in between. I wonder, this, that sparked a thought in my head, um, and I don't think the movie touched on this, but I think it would be interesting. My, my biggest complaint with this movie is, with the premise Korean zombie movie, I don't think it did enough commentary. I don't think it did enough to actually make it unique compared to other zombie movies in the same vein. And one of the big issues facing Korea right now, um, and Japan similarly, is lack of population. It's underpopulation. People are just not having enough babies. And a big, big part of that is because women especially are going to the workforce more and more and more, and they just are refusing, rightly so, to be the stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home wife, um, among many, many other factors. So this dad right here, he's going between being choosing his work and choosing his family. I felt they could have explored that a little bit more mm. in terms of a societal impact. Oh, you, like, you mean in terms of like how well, how would they explore that, though, I guess? That would be my question. 
I'm not 100% sure based on the actual plots that they've got so far um, of just zombie movie on the train. Because let's be honest, this is a pretty surface level zombie movie. Yeah. Um, and what intrigued me about this one is just all of the connotations, well, the setting of Korean culture and identifying all this stuff. Like, I, I'm going to be honest, why I wanted to see this movie is because I wanted to see a Achima get eaten by a zombie. But... <laughs> Actually, can I, can I have a side? Have you seen a lot of Korean films outside of this? Um, I have seen several, yes. Parasites um, was one of my favorite movies of 2019. Absolutely mm-hmm. love that one. Uh, Old Boy, obviously, I saw The Devil. Snowpiercer, if you count that one. Got him. Fucking Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. I hate Snowpiercer. <laughs> Snowpiercer's terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> That'll be our next one right there. But this you should see Parasite. This movie did Snowpiercer so much better than Snowpiercer did. Oh my god. Yeah, so there was a... Um, da, 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 da. One of the critics for this movie described the film as Snowpiercer with zombies. As a negative review. As a negative review? As a negative review. That's what Wikipedia says. It doesn't say who it is. In contrast, the negative reviews have described the film as Snowpiercer with zombies. Well, Snowpiercer's bad. This is better. Yes, but it does not give a source for that one, so I don't know. Anyway, back on track. Um, so the teenage girl who snuck on the train um, is just kind of crying because she's been bitten in the leg. And the KTX attendant comes on over and says, can I help you, miss? And and she activates her radio and says, we need medical attention in cabin 11. And, of course, girl rises up as a zombie, attacks the attendant, and the outbreak starts on the train. Uh, The very first car that's attacked is the high school baseball team. And this I jotted out of my notes. Um... I thought the sound design for this movie was pretty impressive. I remember at this point the bones crunching and the flesh being torn out. It yeah. was um, pretty good. No, I agree. I think I think the sound yeah. mixing this was great. I thought I think like and the funny thing is too is like I can't remember much of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Like and think about it, but I never. But that's also a good thing because I think it kept you in the like. Yeah. Kept you with the with the scenes, but never distracted from it. Like I can't think of a time where the music ever pulled me out mm-hmm. or I ever noticed it, which I think was kind of a good thing. Yeah, except for the Aloha song. I thought the Aloha song was very ill-fitting. Oh, that, that was well, weird. But it also I, makes sense. Well, for me, and this is something I noticed too when I lived in Korea, and I'm noticing with a lot of other Asian media, is there is, in a lot of media, in Asian media, um, a cultural fascination with American culture, and specifically Hawaii as well. But so they try and play homage to it a lot of times, but it's usually just kind of haphazardly tasked in there, just like, hey, this is an American reference, this is an American song, this is an American phrase, we're just going to put it in here. And it always feels very ham fisted in a way. Um, like, I just played through Death Stranding by Hideo Kojima, and there's so many little references here and there to American culture that are just very, very obviously romanticized in a way. Well, where does Death Stranding take place? Because isn't Norman Reedus the... It takes place in America, but okay. it's made entirely by Japanese developers. Well, yeah, but that's not so, common. Uh, yeah. And, and just these little things here and there. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I remember I kept hearing that over and over and over again in my head as I continued to play it. Do you think that's like the American Roman or fetishization with like samurai and ninjas and shit? 
exactly japanese culture yeah. like honor it's like no that's not what that means <laughs> yeah it, it kind of feels like a lesser extent of that yeah. um you know the the weeaboo japanese fan who is obsessed with the japan japanophiles yeah or not even just that i feel like american culture like they love having like the sci-fi movie or something like that where the where the character pulls out a katana and they're like mm-hmm. man look at my cool katana it's like why <laughs> why why do you have that like why uh-huh. and like, that's like the like the cool like sword to have and it's like mm-hmm. But like theoretically, like there are stronger weapons that have that are like not as flimsy. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> why, like why right, are you using that one? <laughs> why are you using the one that came out of necessity due to the lack of metal? Like, why? What? <laughs> <laughs> if you have the resources, wouldn't you want something better? <laughs> uh huh. Anyway, um, so there zombies are coming through this outbreak on the train, um, and the boxer and his pregnant wife. His pregnant wife is in the bathroom. Um, Oh, yeah, before the zombie outbreak occurs, the daughter is talking to the boxer, and the boxer is, says something like, hey, you can't use that bathroom. Um, <laughs> he uses the phrase, someone's peeing for two in there. Yeah. And I remember that was just, I don't know if it was lost in translation or what, but I thought that was just such an awkward phrase. No, like, I, originally, I, it said something like, there's two in there right now, I thought, and then I was just like, does, does he mean someone's baning in there? Is that is that what he's implying? Oh no, it's a pregnant wife. Okay, I love that. I love the way he talks. I like. I. I. I he's like my favorite character because he's just like so excited about his wife and his baby. Uh, and the way he talks about it, I think he's he's awesome. Yeah, he's kind of the brute with the heart of gold. Um, yeah. and I love that. I absolutely love that about him. So anyway, the daughter goes to another bathroom. Zombie outbreak occurs. The daughter runs past him, and um, the boxer decides to help out his pregnant wife. They end up going to one of the cars, and they slam the door on the boxer and his wife's face. Uh, the dad does. Hmm. And it's kind of a hard decision at the moment because everyone's screaming, no, keep him in, keep him in, especially that asshole CEO. But the daughter says, wait, I know him, he's nice. And then the dad decides to make the decision, open up the door, let them through, and then close the door again before the zombies come on in. No, he doesn't open it, does he? I thought, doesn't the, doesn't the boxer open it himself? Hmm, no, I'm pretty sure. It was after the I, daughter said, I know him. Doesn't I, I, he turn into the father does anything. I'm pretty sure it's, it's just like... That would I, make more sense considering what happened later in the movie. So. Yeah, I don't think the father okay. does anything. All right, well, you are the one who always corrects me on these things, so thank you for that. Yeah, I'm going to trust your opinion on that one. Pay attention, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> I did, I have notes and everything. All right, I can't be everything you want me to be. All right, Andrew? Come on, be everything. <laughs> So anyway, uh, Boxer comes up to... Well, before we do that, how do they deal with the zombies on the other end of the, uh, on the, other end of the door? Oh, I actually... I thought that was actually really clever. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so they basically realize that the zombies only attack when they can see you. Mm-hmm. Which I thought... Which was, I feel like it isn't something we've really seen in a zombie movie. Like, we've seen it before, like, kind of, like, you know, hide from them. But it was very blatant where, like, if they don't have something... In front of them, they aren't like aroused. They're not crazy. They're just kind of standing there. So they they uh, end up covering it with paper, mm-hmm. with newspaper, which is something that also I, I remember seeing a lot in Korea too, which is where you wet the window and cover yep. uh, the window with common. newspaper. So I think that was like a kind of a, a cool cultural thing, and also like I think a maybe not the most unique thing, but something I don't see very often in zombie movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my only complaints about that, I, I I thought it was very clever too. However, and this is. I will totally admit this is me being super nitpicky. Um, I don't believe that a zombie didn't accidentally hit that lever. Because that lever, literally, it's just like a straight line up. It's a very thick metal lever. And then if you tap it to the side, it just automatically slides the door on through. 
Well, but there, there is a significant amount of weight you need to put to that, didn't you? I, I, I feel like, I feel like it I wasn't, know. I think I remember those things. I remember there being a heft behind it. But you think about it too, like, why would a zombie pull side? Like, they don't understand, like, theoretically, if we're thinking of them as non-thinking beings, mm-hmm. all they know is that there's something, a field in front of them stopping them. Okay, and, but these are fast-moving zombies. Mm-hmm. They are clawing at everything. I I found it hard to believe that a zombie wouldn't slam into the handle at some point and the door would just automatically open. But why would they but, claw horizontally instead of... Hmm? Why would, you, why would they claw like to the side? Why, why would they're they climbing everywhere. No, they're climbing everywhere. They're climbing to the top, to the bottom, to the left, to the right. Everybody you know everything you know in a box to the left. That sort of thing. Well, you know, like, but theoretically, this might only be one or two who can actually reach the glass. Everyone else is kind of behind them. So that right. one, and like you know, and it, actually, did they also pop the red lever that stops the automation from happening? Did they now? Didn't they, didn't they pop well. that thing? That, that thing on the top right? That like there's oh that God, thing. I, did. I recognize that in the second five. Yes, I do remember that. Okay. All right, all right, all right, fine. <laughs> look, look, look at this, look at this. Listen, I admitted it was going to be a nitpick, but, uh, all right. I, I live to tear apart your nitpicks. You tear apart my nitpicks, that's fine. We got to get Mythbusters on that one. We, or isn't there it. some sort of YouTube series now that, like, tests movie myths? We should check, get them on this thing. Would a zombie accidentally zombie... pull up the KTX? <laughs> yeah, just, well, take a blind person and then just have them claw every which way back and forth. Well, I don't not, know. Not a anyway. blind person, because a blind person has, has the mental faculties to possibly feel out and pull on a lever. So what, a monkey? Gorilla? Well, I'm just thinking, like, a zombie wouldn't understand a lever. They would just scratch up and down at the thing, you know? Hmm. And even that, like, do they, do they understand the function of their hands in terms of gripping utensils? Like, or mm-hmm. would they just, like, slam into it? Yeah, I guess this would be a good place to kind of segue into talking about the zombies. Um, these are not slow-moving Romero zombies. These are fast-moving Dawn of the Dead remake. These are Zack Snyder zombies. Yeah, they're, they're Zack Snyder zombies. They run, they claw, they're, they pile over each other. And there's a couple really cool shots when like the zombies are just piling all over each other, and it just creates this wall of death, which I found like... CGI wasn't the best, but the image was pretty cool. I think they did it better than World War Z did. I would agree with that. I was just about to mention World War Z. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, in World War Z, there was, like, you know, claw of crowds of hundreds of hundreds of zombies. This one, it's just, like, small little piles of, like, maybe 10 or 20 just kind of amorphizing back and forth. So, Mm. anyway, everyone's in. Um, Zombies have been subdued for now, or at the very least, they don't see anyone, so they're just kind of wandering around their empty cars. Um, and Boxer goes up to Dad and basically calls him an asshole, saying, yeah. listen, man, you almost killed me, you almost killed my wife, you said, you're a jerk, you deserve, I deserve an apology. Mm-hmm. And he says this in such a way, I love this actor, I love this character, where he's just like, he's firm, he's fierce, but he's also extending that olive branch and giving Dad the chance to make things right. Yeah. And Dad is just like, well, no, I have my own kid to take care of. Um... This is where we get that scene where his wife is pregnant and she needs a seat and the daughter comes on over and sits down next to him and the daughter offers her her chair and dad comes on over and says, listen, we're every man for ourselves here. We got to take care of ourselves before we can take care of other people. And Okay, going back to the class structure in terms of getting ahead and, you know, kind of fucking other people over or at the very least getting a leg up on competition, yeah... But at the same time, too, this is nitpicking. This is total nitpicking. Uh, well, people the, the, give the, the dad's extremely seats. angry. 
Yeah, the dad's extremely... He's not in the right emotional state. Zombies are coming around. But people in Korea give their seats up to pregnant ladies. There's dedicated seats on the train for that. And I've been yelled at before for sitting on those dedicated well, seats. You know, to, to nitpick your nitpick, <laughs> uh, she does give it to the older lady, not to the pregnant lady. The pregnant lady oh, and yeah. him are further in. Uh-huh. Uh, just so you know. But, uh... Okay. Yeah, you know, just, just tossing that there. But no, no, and but, then to nitpick, I, to nitpick your nitpick, um, it's actually called an ajima. That's, that's the name. It's not an older lady. <laughs> Uh, we don't know how old she is. Actually, one of the older ladies was definitely not as old as the other older lady. There was, yeah, like, an older lady be... who, like, sacrifices her, who, uh, who kind of stands there at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a younger older lady, and she's definitely not as old, and they definitely aged up with makeup, and it looks really awkward. You can tell that she's yeah. like, a younger actress, that they definitely mm-hmm. aged up, and it looks really weird. I didn't like it. It was really, it yeah. was, like, really awkward time I saw her. I was like, you're not that old. You are not as old as you look. Mm-hmm. Um... That was weird, but anyway, yeah. Like I think, so, I think again, I think the goal is to show the contrast between him now and him later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they really, really lay it thick, just how selfish and distant from his daughter he is. Um, they really lay it on thick in the first like, half. Yeah, the fact that he says like, "Don't don't help anyone else," that is just like God. Wow, that writing like it's kind of bad writing. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, so the announcement comes on in, and they are going to. They basically say that the original stop of Shaonan is not happening, and instead they're going to divert the train to Dejan, De which is further down the line. Uh, the CEO obviously is really, really pissed about it, and he basically just breaks on through and then picks up the phone and decides to talk to the conductor about it and says, Don't you know who I am? I'm the COO. We are going to Shaonan. But conductor doesn't listen conductor is i I like the conductor character he's just stoic the whole time he's just like i'm gonna get this train to my destination no matter what well again he's he's like if you think about class and he's that public servant who just does does his Mm -hmm. job and wants to do his job like yeah he's that like he's that like idealized worker essentially Mm -hmm. yeah he is doing what he needs to do and what needs to be done It, it it kind of was it reminded me of a lot of so i saw the uh chernobyl the hbo miniseries and that is so good it's so good, but it's filled with archetypes like that, where people who are in a shit situation and they do it because it needs to be done. They don't panic, they don't scream, they don't have a mental breakdown. They just think to themselves, it's a very singular purpose. Yeah, he needs to get these people safe. They need to save the reactor. That sort of thing. Yeah, and that's like he's like, and I feel like that is that is very staple, but kind of Korean. Like he is the person that they celebrate oh, yeah. Korean culture. I feel like he is. Oh. They're doing it for everybody. Like wants to take care of everybody, wants to do his job well. He is like, he is he is like the service person. Like I don't know how to describe it. He's like the because he's not white he's the collar. Backbone. He's not mm-hmm. blue collar. He's like that in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the backbone of Korean culture. He's the backbone of um, what's what's the ideal they kept repeating over and over again? Not Juche. Juche is North Korean. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, um, so then we get this really, really awful scene where the dad calls his mother, Suan's grandmother, on the phone. So remember in Resident Evil, the games, when you come across a file and this guy's like jotting down his thoughts about turning into a zombie and he doesn't realize he's turning into a zombie and the last couple pages are just him literally writing down moans and the words eat over and over and over again yeah that's what this scene reminded me of yeah yeah (laughs) so dad calls grandma and grandma uh, basically is saying stuff about 
a girl needs her mother, and, you know, Suan needs to be reunited with her mother and to stay safe, and it's the tearful, painful last phone call because she turns into a zombie on the phone. And it's really bad. It's yeah. really bad. I didn't like it at all. That nah, wasn't that well done. Mm-hmm. So we do that. Um, we also, at this point, everyone kind of pulls their phones out and starts looking through YouTube, and we get a sense that this outbreak is throughout the entire country. Oh. Um, the train yeah. rolls right through Shonan. Zombies are kind of pounding at the windows as they pass on through. And, and there are people, said- people who try to like get on. Like they, they basically roll through as if they're about to stop. People try to get on the on the train, and then like, they just get attacked by zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's no safe passage for them at all. There is a scene uh, where they take a look at this YouTube video, and they have zombies like latching onto helicopters. Which that was so good. The okay. guy. And then they just fall down to the parking lot, and they like, slam onto the concrete. And then they get back up and start chasing people. It's like, Jesus Christ, these zombies are terrifying. Right? Well, that kind uh, of did make me wonder. I was like, man, like, how does this like work? Like... Because like they they stand up completely intact, where I'm like your bones would break at least. Like you know, like yeah. the zombie should be limping or something. Yeah, zombies are not known for being the most durable, but here we are. I mean, they're rotting corpses, but I don't know. It's once again, it's the 28 days later zombie sort of thing. But um, and they decide to go on in, and we already talked about they're going to stop at Dejan. So <sighs> Boxer um, is talking to his wife and dad's daughter. And the, the, he asked the daughter who is their, um, who's the, what was the dad do? What is his job? And the daughter says, oh, he's a funds manager. Ah, bloodsucker. Yep. And I liked that. It was funny. I also loved it when, when uh, they're talking about the baby. And he's like, uh-huh. he's like oh, do you want to feel the baby? And then Fox is just like, I made that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, it's like perfect his character. He's so excited about having this kid. He's like, I made that. And she's like, you need He's it. like, hey, hey. I made that. He was like, he was great. He was, he was wonderful. He was my favorite character. He, like, I think the movie should have been about him. Well, uh-huh. actually, no, it would have gotten kind of boring, but he was, he was the best. Yeah. Um, he, he's a great supporting character. Um, they also named the fetus, and what do they name it? Sleepy? Yeah. She called call, call yeah. it Sleepy. She's like, what? Is yeah. it, that's name? She's like, no. It's just like, it's not alive. No. So. That's not my actual, that's not its actual name. It's his fetus name. And I don't know. Is that a thing in Korean culture? I don't think it is. Well, I think she's just, probably just a joke. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But, but anyway, while, it's like while this is happening, the father um, calls his subordinate, Mr. Kim, who's the guy who suggested mm-hmm. the Wii to him earlier. And he basically learns that, like, he's like, hey, we're going to Dejan. He calls and he's like, hey, man, like, we're going to Dejan. We hear there's a military uh, thing there. Like, is that okay? And and his co- uh, co-worker basically says, like, hey, like, but when, as soon as you get there, you're going to be quarantined. So basically don't go to the quarantine. Like, instead, go this other way and try to sneak away so you dodge the quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the father's like, cool. <laughs> yeah. And then they arrive so, at Dijon. So they do that, and also the homeless guy um, overhears the conversation as well mm-hmm. from earlier. So they arrive. What happens there? So they arrive at Dijon. It's basically a ghost town. And Dijon is like a – it's like a pretty big rail station. It's not like a mm-hmm. – it's not very small. Dijon's a pretty big town. I mean, it's, it's a, it's is it the fourth largest? Fourth largest and also the most centrally located as well. Yeah, so, so like all of the KTX lines pass through there. Yeah. So right, right in the center of Korea. And it's completely empty. But people kind of get out. Everyone looks around, and they uh, kind of make their way up. And the way KTX is, or the station are kind of set up, it's like a it's a kind of a couple rows of rails, and you kind of take stairs up to the overpass to take you to the main part of the station. Um, so they all go up inside, and it almost looks like an airport. Like I feel like a lot of these, a lot of the, I don't know if that's the same in the U.S. I feel like a lot of train stations 
to me, in Korea, always remind me of like big airports. Um, yes, uh, definitely not in the U.S. Translations in the U.S. suck, but <laughs> translations in Korea are amazing. And immaculate. Yes, they do. They are. They are immaculate. They yeah. they really honestly are. Um, so but, so they'll they'll go into Daejeon thinking that there's gonna be a mil- there's the, when they get out there'll be like a military uh, kind of haven there. Um, and so they go into the station. Nobody's there, and the father takes his daughter. Him him and her start kind of going off to the to the right while everybody else is going straight. Um, towards the exit to the station. Um, mm-hmm. And as the father and daughter start leaving, the homeless man comes up and is like, I'm coming with you guys. I heard something's going on. I'm not going that way. Uh, and he kind of runs ahead. Um, and then we kind of cut back to the boxer and everybody. And as they come down the stairs, the escalators to leave the station, they see all the military people. But they're all just kind of standing there. Yeah. And I love this scene just the thought of being on a slowly descending escalator with a horde of zombies at the bottom of it and then the panic you're trying to run back up the escalator you're jumping on over trying to take the stairs i just thought that was a really cool visual and a really terrifying visual like being slowly brought to your death yeah like really like a lot of people get down here like mm-hmm. um a bunch of people get down and while, while this happens the father and daughter and homeless man also run into their own uh zombie group <laughs> mm-hmm. and so they all basically start sprinting back yeah um, honestly this is probably my favorite scene in the entire movie like the tension was really good i felt like the character um bounce back was pretty good and once again that image of the escalator was really cool too yeah well, I, I think it, i think it is like the money shot of the movie because it's, it's yeah it's at the train station it's kind of seeing society being like being gone like it's uh it's, it's crazy but basically people start running back getting back into the train and the first people who get there, they run down the stairs, they go to open a train door, and they realize they open the door to the zombie compartment. So all the zombies start spilling out of the zombie compartment. So shit's going Should crazy. have really labeled it. They, they really should have said it. zombie compartment. Don't open this. Don't open dead. No, don't open dead inside or don't dead open inside. <laughs> but people start getting jumped. The father gets jumped by a zombie, um, and the homeless man throws his coat on him to help him get out. And uh, the COO kind of makes it back onto the train. Um, the grandmothers make it back on the train, but they get separated. Um, the daughter gets separated, she gets back on the train. But the father and the boxer and some of the other baseball players actually end up staying behind to kind of close one of the kind of the doors to get to mm-hmm. the trains, essentially. And there's a moment where the boxer um, is safely behind the door, but the dad is not. And the boxer has the opportunity to completely close the door and shut him out, just like earlier in the movie. But this time the boxer decides, hey, come on in. Come on, hurry up. I'll wait for you. Yeah, the boxer um, which is showing himself as a better person. Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, so they they all get uh, everyone else gets on the train, but then the boxer and them basically hold the door until the last moment it's about to shatter, and they make a run for the train. Um, and at that point, some of the baseball players with them they get jumped and taken down. Um, so the boyfriend and the girlfriend uh, of like, well, so we didn't really talk about them, did we? No, we didn't. Uh, so this is back to the uh, high schoolers, the baseball team. There was this one girl, and I don't think they were boyfriend-girlfriend. She weren't. had a crush on him. Yeah, and he was kind of and, playing coy. Yeah, and he was just kind of playing coy with it. But yes, there's a teenage, two teenagers who obviously have feelings for each other, but they just haven't acted on it yet. Um, but they, they're kind of the representative of the baseball team because everyone else on the baseball team is basically just faceless and they're to be zombie fodder. Yeah, they all just got destroyed. It's great. Yep. But so they end up, so basically what happens is they they all get back onto the train, but now they're separated. So the father, and the daughter are separated. The wife and the husband are separated. The boyfriend, and the girlfriend are separated. Um, and the girlfriend is with the COO, and they're basically trying to hold up in their own little 
mm-hmm. car, basically. The, the COOs with the conductor, uh, and so with them staff, and they're all kind of hauled up in this one car while the baseball player is in another car with the um, father and the, what do you call him, the boxer guy. Yeah. They escape to the bathroom, right? Or is that later? The wife is in the bathroom. Okay. The yes. wife and the daughter, sorry, the wife and the daughter and the homeless man are all in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And then the boxer, the baseball player, and the uh, father are, they're all in car 11. They want to get mm-hmm. into car 13, which is where the, which is where the wife and the um, old lady and the, one of the old ladies and the daughter are. And then car 15 is where the girlfriend and the COO and everybody else is. And then so, 12 and 14 are zombie central. Yes. So basically they decide, they're like, so they, they, they're texting, um, and they're like, Hey, we're in this car, come get us. And so the husband, sorry, keep coming. Father, husband, and boyfriend. Boxer. Yeah. All decide to fight their way through the zombies because they, they realize that they're going through, that there are tunnels happening. Mm -hmm. And when they go through a tunnel and it's dark, the zombies can't see them. So they're like, all right, we can. Mm Like, they, there's this kind of cool suit-up scene where they all kind of tape their arms. They get some tape and packing tape to tape their arms so they can't get bit. Oh, dude, kind of load that's up. that time when the boxer just completely taped up his arms and he was like, I'm ready to save my pregnant wife. Like, that is the most testosterone I have ever seen in a movie. Yeah. From, I yeah, love the best character. character. Best character. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they basically, that's what they do. They, they go to town. They go to two different carts. Like, mm-hmm. and, they, and they do some pretty clever things. Like they, use, they, they use a cell phone. They call on the cell phone so the zombies will run that way so they can run past it. Mm-hmm. Um, they climb across the top of the uh, baggage area in order to sneak by the zombies. But let's just let's just pause on the scene for a second because I just I love this scene because the boxer. It, it is a montage scene of just them beating the shit out of zombies. They go into the cabin. The boxer's in the lead. He just goes to town on these zombies. He's punching them in the face. He's like tossing them over to the side. He is a man saving his wife and unborn child. And it is so fucking manly. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Uh, the baseball guy is in the back. He's swinging his bat away. Dad's doing his thing. And yeah, like you said, there's a lot of clever stuff and little things that they do too. But continue. Yeah. So, so I they, love get, the same. they get to that first one. They go to the next one. And it's all um, ba- the baseball players. Mm-hmm. And this is actually when they use the phone. And I, and I fucking love it. Because so they what they do is they, um, they throw the phone behind them. They sneak into the car. Call the phone. So all the zombies run outside. And then they kind of sneak their way through. Which part of me wonders, why don't you guys just close the door behind you? Because they'd be proven that stops the zombies. Mm-hmm. Like, there are a couple of tricks that they use here, which they could have used later, but they don't. Um, but it's funny because uh, uh, they they go into the next room. They go they go hide in the next room in the in the bathroom at one point before they kind of where they're prepping to get through the next section. And mm-hmm. the, the the dad goes like, "Why is your so Why is your phone so tacky?" He's like, "Why <laughs> Why is your ring so tacky?" <laughs> Um, and he's just Pretty like, funny. he's like, shut up. Wait, why? What's wrong with it? How do I change it? <laughs> just like, cause you can tell again, it's, it's, it's this, this, this every man, like the working class father, uh, father, who's not like the husband, who's not as like up on technology as the, as the dad is. Mm-hmm. God damn it. The boxer is not as up to technology as the dad is. And yeah. he's like, you know, but he wants to seem cool for his wife and for his kids. So he's like, He's like, shut up. But also, like, how would yeah. I change that if I wanted to? Like, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's, it's, I, I, I saw a lot of that type of person in Korea where just the older dad who has got a lot of really, really strong values, but is also not up to date with technology at all. And in Korea, that's a big deal. So it was pretty funny. Yeah. I like that. 
Um, the CEO, we kind of cut back to them, and the CEO at this time is in the front of the train, and they're doing their own thing, um, where the girl, the high school girl, gets a text from the baseball player, and basically the baseball player says, hey, we've rescued the other people, we're on our way back, and the girl is just over the moon about it. Oh, he's coming back. Oh, he's he saved everyone. He's so manly. Oh, man, I wish he's going to take me now. But the CEO listens in and says, well, he's back there. There's zombies back there. We need to seal it off, otherwise the zombies are going to get back up here if he's going to move back up here as well. So she's completely overpowered by everyone else. Everyone's just listening to that COO, um, the, the businessman. Mm. And the literally start intentionally tying the um tying the door up what actually and they're, well, sorry mm-hmm. just to hop into this um yeah i i love this scene because okay talk talking about symbolism like not i don't know if the symbolism was, was intended or not um but so you know like, obviously like the, the the father or businessman father is is more white collar uh, mm-hmm. but you know the 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 the, the teenager and the kind of more blue collar uh, boxing guy are not. Um, and I found it interesting because, uh, so we talked about a little bit about um, Sewol earlier. And Sewol was a um, ferry that went down because uh, it went, it hit a rock basically. It was, there's a lot of shady business going behind it. It shouldn't have happened. Um, it was overloaded, hit, hit a rock, started sinking. And basically people in charge said, kids, stay where you are. Everything's fine. You'll be good. Just stay. Don't get out of your seats. Don't leave. Because, you know, it'll create commotion. And basically these kids had all ended up drowning because none of them got out when they could have easily escaped had they needed to, mm-hmm. had they been allowed to, essentially. But they were told not to and they didn't question it. So it was a big kind of question about um, listening to basically following orders over kind of self-preservation yeah. and, like, what was yeah. right. F- ignoring or doubting orders of someone else higher up on the hierarchical stru- stru- uh, structure is very, very frowned upon. And, and that it- was very... And it was a huge thing in Japan, clean. too. Like, it was, they're huge thing with actually yeah. pilots, where they would have a younger pilot with part of the older pilot, which is a very common thing to do. And the younger pilots would not want to contradict the older pilots, but when the older pilots made a mistake, essentially, the younger pilots would just kind of say, okay. And actually, like, there's an inc- there's a, an incident or a couple incidents in Japan of that actually causing crashes to occur because they're like... Yeah, I remember hearing about that. It was, uh-huh. it was insane. But anyway, back to that. Um, what I thought was interesting is if you notice what they were using to hold the door closed were ties and ties are kind of a symbol of white collar business like to, of, corp- mm. of corporations so it was literally the ties the symbol of kind of you know white collar kind of uh corporations businesses uh, organizations holding the door closed on these and like cutting off the people below them essentially mm-hmm. which i thought was really Not interesting it. i like i thought that was yeah. like, i don't know if that's intentional but i was just like wow that's actually really like if that's a commentary there that's that's impressive yeah, definitely, definitely. I thought that was cool. Um, so they lock that up with the ties right there, and the um, they lock off one end of the train. Then they say, okay, make sure to lock up the other end of the train. Well, during the scuffle earlier, one of the sisters um, was caught by the zombies. Or not, not, and, there hmm? not there yet. Not there yet? Not there yet. No, 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 we're there yet. No, we're not we're there, there, aren't nope. we? Nope. So, so they, they lock up the door, um, uh-huh. and what happens is... Um, so. What they do is they, they basically lock up one end of the vestibule. So between mm-hmm. each car are two, is, is a vestibule, uh, and that's usually where, like, where the bathroom is, where they have the food stuff. And so the uh, 
the family or the the group are a group sneaking through. They get through the car with the baseball players and stuff, sneak by, get into the vestibule, and they can't get into the next section. Mm-hmm. So the zombies are pounding on one side of the vestibule. They're in the middle, and they're banking on the other door, which is the one that gets tied. And so eventually what happens is, is they – I don't know how they end up opening it because it's not the grandmother opens it. Mm-hmm. Um, do they break it? I think they break it. They break one end of the vestibule. They break one of them, yeah, yes. they break one um, of them to get through. But and doesn't so, that occur later? Like, I, I, I distinctly remember the CEO saying, okay, we've tied one end. Let's try the, tie the other end. And nope. that's when the sister comes on over and opens that, up that's the once door. They get that's, through. that's once they get through. Okay. All right. So, all right. So they right. break, they break the, they break the door open, get through, uh, run into another fucking pissed at everybody who walked them out. Mm-hmm. But then they, but you know, eat the rich. Yeah. They, they're like, fuck you guys. Why'd you <laughs> listen to this asshole who for some reason has power just because he's like a higher businessman, whatever. So they get in into the car, car 15. And they close the door behind them. So the zombies are pounding on the door. And while this is happening, one of the grandmothers, the um, ladies, she's with them, and she gets kind of stuck behind. Um, she kind of just stands there. I didn't quite understand if it was supposed to be sacrifice or her just being fucking done with it. Just like, I'm not doing this anymore. Because she just stands there. She could have gotten to safety. It's, I think it was supposed to be kind of a dramatic thing. But it was. I, I kind of hated it because she just stood there while the zombies attacked from behind and then mm-hmm. finally broke through and got to her. Where... They could have easily saved her, or she could have walked forward. A couple of things could have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Wikipedia says, San Hua, one of the sisters, sacrifices... Oh, wait, no, that's something else. Never mind, never mind. Like, I think it's supposed to be played off as she's sacrificing herself, but she doesn't turn to the zombie, she just kind of stands there. And it's weird. I think her death is weird. I think her death is just to set up the next thing. But I felt... Those two entire characters were kind of pointless the whole time. Like, aside like, from this one thing that she does. The, uh-huh, the next thing coming up. I, I didn't see any commentary. I didn't see any reason why they needed to be included. It just seemed like it was just to complicate things a little bit more. I think had they made their relationship stronger and then yes. had the first girl's death maybe be the result of, like, the CEO doing something. Because at that uh-huh. point, she could have been saved. I think had the CEO, like, pushed her back or something, then that would have, you know, created what's going to come later. But then again, the CEO has a very similar moment later on, too. So that kind of would have been redundant at that point. That is true. You're right. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. So so they get in. They close the door behind them. Grandma dies. Um, and uh, actually, no, before that. Oh, my God. We forgot, like, one of the biggest parts. Yeah. Holy shit. Well, yeah. e- even before, before, before that. So they're in the car. So this is uh, while when they get to the car, they have a tied shut with the ties. And they're basically in a car's distance. There's a car, the car behind them is zombie infested. There's an empty car mm-hmm. that they are in. And there's the car 15 where they tied off all the things. And basically to get to the next place, they need to hold this door closed because the zombies, they don't, they couldn't watch it completely. And the mm-hmm. zombies um, have their hands kind of in the door. And mm-hmm. so, you know, our, our best guy, boxer dad, uh, holds the door closed. Him and him and... Uh, our father, character, our main character father, are holding the door closed, and boxer guy gets bit, and he's mm-hmm. like, "All right, like I know what happens here," and he's like, "Hey, like you know, annoying trust fund dad, <laughs> take my wife, make sure she's okay, get her out of here." Mm-hmm. Um, and so, they, while he goes to go help them break down the door to get into the compartment with the COO and them, and you know, boxer dad does the best; he holds the door as long as he can, then he just starts beating the shit out of the zombies, lifts the door open, and. <laughs> fucking fights the crap out of them uh, and fights them mm-hmm. off long enough for them to break the door, get in and close it behind them. Yep. And that's his heroic death. Yeah. And that was, that was, and he, I think that's actually what made, really made me 
dislike part of this movie. It was just the fact that that character died. Because <laughs> I was like, he's the best <laughs> character in this entire show. Movie. <laughs> but he went out with a badass death. He did. So, anyway, they get back up. Where are we at this point? Because we've been jumping around all over the place. So they get into the... Well, it's chaotic at this point in the movie, too. So it's kind of hard to follow. And it's hard when all the sets are the same. But basically, so they're now back in the... In the main uh, car with all the other people, and and the people are freaking out. They're like, "You're you're in here. You could be infected." The COO basically says, "Like they could be infected. We need to quarantine them." So this is when they tell them to go to the next vestibule, the one beyond where they were locked out of before, and they were going to lock them in that vestibule. So they're like, "All right, we're going to put you guys in quarantine in the next vestibule. There's a door between us now. So if you one of you guys are a zombie, we're safe, and we're going to tie that door shut with ties." Hmm. So now what we have is we have Car with zombies, car 15 with the COO and everybody else who was being assholes. And then mm-hmm. in the vestibule beyond them is where now our main characters are. They're tied mm-hmm. and locked in there. Yes. So they're in there and they're like, well, fuck, this sucks. And mm-hmm. they're about to get to Daegu now, right? Or uh, to yes. Busan. So they're, they're, they're arriving at Busan. They're almost there. Uh, Daegu. Daegu. No. Oh, yeah. Do- yeah. Daegu. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dong, De- Dong Daegu Station. Dong Daegu Station. Dong Daegu. Which is uh, South Daegu? Uh, East Daegu. East Daegu. East Daegu. Um, and, yeah, it's like central East Daegu. And for those listening, uh, Dan and I both live in Daegu, so we've been to this station. Uh, we many, many right, times, right yeah. next to Bangaldong, which is like the downtown of Daegu, and it was great. We've been there mm-hmm. all the time, so I kind of love seeing that. That was really cool. Yeah. Um, I was like, hey, I remember that place. I went to the Perry Baguette there a million times. Yeah. I love that. Uh-huh. And they have the, the good theaters. Man, I love that. We need to go back there. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they pull, so as they're pulling into Dongdaegu Station, uh, we see our other grandmother, uh, and other grandmother sitting in the back and basically disgusted with what's going on. Cause again, that, that is another thing of, of Korea is kind of the idea of the older generation is kind of seeing the corruption of the younger generation, seeing this business, seeing this media, um, kind of, overtaking society and kind of the selfishness of people. I think the older people in, in, in Korean movies are typically kind of portrayed as heroic or wise or kind of like mm-hmm. the voice of reason. And she's just done with it. She's like, she's, she watched people be assholes. She watched her sister die partly because people kind of blocked them off. And she's like, you know what? Fuck all of you. So she stands up and again, these doors aren't locked. They just aren't opening. <laughs> and she opens the door, letting the zombies in and basically murdering the huge group of people that are in the car 15 with the COO. Um, and as that happens, uh, they pull into the station. Mm-hmm. So what happens from there? So they pull into the station of Don Dugu station. Once again, one that's very familiar to me and the train conductor at the very, very front, um, as he's pulling on in seems that there is a, or the train is blocked off. There is a massive cargo container just sitting in the middle of the tracks. No way to bypass it. Um, so the conductor goes on the announcements. And once again, this is our stoic blue collar guy who just, well, not even blue collar, but the stoic backbone. He's got a job to do and by God, he's going to do it. Um, decides to tell everyone over the intercom, Hey, we can't stay on the train any longer because the track is blocked. I'm going to go ahead and get off. I'm going to try and go on a thing to the left and I am going to um, find a train, another train in another place right there. So all of our heroes basically decide to get off the train at that point right there. And why don't you tell me what happens there? So while they're getting off the train, we cut back mm-hmm. to our crazy zombie train. 
And we find that actually the COO and one of the people, one of the staff who worked on the train, who also was kind of his henchman, he basically is one of the first people kind of becomes servient to him when he started making all these demands. They walk themselves in a bathroom uh, to avoid the zombie horde, which seems like a great idea for everybody in this situation. Just always hide in a bathroom. The zombies can't get in there. Um, and so they're in there. They, they know people get off the train, so they're like, all right, let's get out. And the COO basically tell, says, like, hey, the coast is clear. Worker guy, get out there first. And he just basically kicks him into a zombie and mm-hmm. bolts out the door. Um, mm-hmm. And so while, the, while this is happening, uh, the other people all kind of get separated because a train, another train is coming and is unmanned and crashes into all their trains. It's like a huge train crash scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the father and daughter and uh, boyfriend and girlfriend and pregnant woman all kind of get separated. Um, mm-hmm. And so the boyfriend and girlfriend, they try to make their own way out, and they kind of basically try to travel through one car to the next car. So they open one mm-hmm. car, hoping to go through the vestibule into the to cross over, basically, because they're both yeah, they're crashing on through those cars right there. And at one point, they jump onto one of the cars, mm-hmm. um, and they're in the vestibule, and the uh, baseball player... And his girlfriend, not girlfriend, are basically, he's trying to slam on the grass, glass, trying to break out the other end. Where, when he's doing that, the COO comes on in into the vestibule, grabs the girl, and then tosses her outside, and she gets bitten by a zombie. Because he's being chased like, by a zombie. A zombie chases him, yeah, basically. Yeah, and he basically just throws her to the wolves. He's just like, I'm more important than you are, blah, 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 blah. Um, so that's his moment right there. If you didn't catch it, at this moment yet, he is a bad character. Mm-hmm. You do not like him at all. I would, ten and zero out of ten, would not be caught in a zombie apocalypse with him. So, um, the CEO overpowers the other boy as well, and then ends up breaking the window. The boy decides, instead of going on through, he's like, fuck this, I'm done with this, I want to sit down with my possible girlfriend, and I'm just going to cradle her until she turns into a zombie. And it's kind of a sweet scene. Like I, you, you've seen it before in several other zombie movies, um, where they, um, Stay. they basically. Sorry. Hmm? No, you go. Sorry. Yeah, no, they just kind of sit there, and then she kind of slowly turns into a zombie as he's crying, and you know, just like, oh, we didn't have enough time over her body. So that's that. Yeah, well, I, I think is I will say about this one is I don't think he was shocked. I think he knew what was happening. He just didn't care. At yeah. that point, I think he, oh, yeah. I think he, kind of like the grandmother was done. Yeah. I think, like, cause I, I, it wasn't like he was like, oh no, she turns, she bites him. Like, mm-hmm. I think he knew it was going to happen. He was just ready for it. Yeah. And that's one thing about this movie. Like, everyone knew exactly what was happening in this movie. Everyone knew zombies. Oh yeah. We know exactly what those are. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. We know exactly what it means if you get bitten. We know exactly what it means you get infected. Yeah. There's going to be no, oh, well, maybe they're not going to turn or maybe we can save them. No, it's just going to be, yeah, you got bit. You're fucked. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we cut back to the dad and, uh, the daughter and the homeless guy and everyone else. And they're kind of trapped under a train because that flaming train that kind of moved towards them knocked everything over to the side and they're kind of trapped on under it. So they're crawling through this burning wreckage. Um, and the homeless guy has his moment of heroicism where he decides to bravely sacrifice himself. And there is this pretty cool visual shot. So picture this. Trains over at a 45 degree angle. They're kind of trapped under the train. It's resting under the train down the tracks to the side. They're crawling on through the wreckage. There's fire all around. Um, the homeless guy decides to stop and fight with his feet the horde of zombies at the very back. 
where the windows that are currently sitting on that 45 degree angle slowly crack and crack some more and crack some more and then they just kind of zombies it's it's like a waterfall of zombies that just pours on down yeah i thought that was a cool visual i agree i thought that was good Mm -hmm. yep so eventually the conductor makes it just to a train that's kind of like in this maintenance shed or maintenance uh, building, and he starts powering it up. It's basically like an old-fashioned engine, right? It's not part of the KTX. Yeah. It's, it's like a, no, it's, it's like, not the KTX. I, think, I almost think it's like a retired train, it looks like. Yeah, it does. It's definitely an older model, but it still checks out, sir. Um, so we got that, uh, and he starts up the train again. The COO is being chased by zombies, and he's kind of running down through, and at one point the zombies kind of fight with him, and is this this point he gets bit, or does he get bit later so, by the conductor? Or is it ambiguous? So I think I think he gets, I think what happens is he he's running, he trips and falls, and the zombie grabs his leg, and, uh-huh. and then this conductor comes to basically help him out. The conductor, yeah. like, literally gets off the train, like, lets it keep chugging along, but gets off, runs over to help out. And he mm-hmm. ends up getting jumped by a zombie after he yeah. after he saves the CEO. The CEO is just like, "Well, fucking, I'm out," and he runs. Mm-hmm. And I believe I believe I believe that's when he got bit. I think he got bit in the leg after he when he's grabbed. Mm-hmm. So now our conductor's gone, and the CEO hops on the train and continues his way. Mm-hmm. And then we cut back to our dad and dad, pregnant lady, lady and daughter. Mm-hmm. Yep, dad, pregnant lady and daughter. They're kind of get on the train as well. He gets to the front of the train, and it's basically just the engine. Like, there's no vestibule, there's no passenger cars or anything like that. It's just an engine and, like, a little balcony over to the side where they can all kind of walk on over to the front um, the front room, the, the engine room. Because, yeah, because that, that must be a – that must be a – is that, like, a coal-powered one or something? Like, how is that one – Possibly, it's an older, it's an older roller train. I've, I saw them before in Korea, but uh, yeah, it's definitely They're probably the more local, local train, supposed to KTX. Yeah, possibly, yeah. probably, probably, not possibly, probably. Um, so, Dad opens up the door to the conductor's cabin, and the CEO just kind of moves on out slowly, and he is looking a little dead. He is eyes glossed over, the veins sticking out of his head, and he's definitely a zombie, but he's talking and he's saying, help me, please. I need to make it to Busan. And then we get a little bit of character development for him. He says that his mother is there. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, so that kind of made me wonder. I was like, they don't explore, but I was like, man, like I, in my mind was like, you know, it'd be interesting. Like if he like, maybe he had a sick mother and he had to make it to her. Like how would that change the story? If his entire motivation was to go like, save his mother not just like see mm-hmm. her but like take care of her and i was like that would mm-hmm. that would be interesting for the character for me if that was uh yeah a thing and I, I wish they'd explore that i wish they'd, they'd, they'd drop a couple more hints along the way maybe showing him texting his mom completely like, through anything like are you okay yeah like i think they wanted to make it more of a shock reveal like oh he's not so bad after all but uh but but i also don't wonder like part of me wonders was that a shot was that a humanizing moment or was that a pathetic moment of like i want my mom you know? Yeah, um... Like, what, was was that more of, like, a pathetic, like... Was it was it supposed to be played off as, like, you know, people like, Mommy, I want my mommy when they're dying, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what I couldn't tell. Like, I hope it wasn't that. I think it was, though. I think it was supposed to be kind of a... I thought it was supposed to be a humanizing moment. Like, okay, he is not just wanting to get down to Busan to save his own skin, but because he also has got a mom as well. That's the impression I got. I don't know. I, I feel like if that was the case, they didn't do it. They didn't do it well enough for me. I think they mm-hmm. they should have had something else. He should have like you know she's sick or mm-hmm. say toss something else out there. Give us. And I think because they didn't say anything more to eliminate it more, I think it was more played off as like a he's scared and he's saying that out of fear. 
kind mm-hmm. of, which I don't necessarily like as much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I may have read too much into it, or not enough. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, yep. so um, he he's coming towards them, and he kind of reaches for the um, pregnant lady because at one point, kind of the father backs up with the daughter, and pregnant lady's kind of between them. And father gets in between them and like wrestles them, and he gets bit. The guy bites his arm, I think. That's what happens, or his hand. Yes. Um, yeah, it's this big fight scene where they kind of go back and forth and kind of talk to each other. Um, and during one part, dad realizes that he can't overpower the COO. Um, and what he does is he decides to sacrifice himself by having the CEO bite his arm. Like, he just sticks it right in there, and then the CEO bites his arm. And as he's biting down, he's just like, all right. Now I've got the leverage. I've got my other hand free. So he ties a chain around himself mm-hmm. and then ties the other end to a little rail. And then basically he throws himself off with the zombie biting his hands. And the zombie, who is chainless at the moment, um, just completely falls to the ground and kind of gets cut up by the rocks, I guess. Yeah, I think so. That's really it. Yeah. And the dad is still attached to the chain, so he doesn't fall over. He's just kind of hanging there, uh, free falling. So he kind of comes on up. And looks at his hand, and he realizes, yep, I'm bit. I'm going to be a zombie. He takes the pregnant lady and takes his daughter, who at this point knows exactly what's happening, and just starts crying, 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 over and over and over again, and talks, this is the break, this is the horn, this is all you need to do, take this line all the way down, that's how you get to Busan. And then he goes to the back of the train, and we're cut with this, extremely, extremely cheesy flashback back and forth where he's kind of talking about, well, it's the end cut of the baby and him picking up his daughter as a baby as he slowly closes his eyes and his eyes turn to glazed over and I found it cheesy. No, I agree. It was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. It was melodrama. This is at the point right now where I actually texted um, someone and said, this is a K-drama. This yeah. is what it is. It's exactly. so much melodrama. <laughs> that's, exactly, like, that's, that's part of, like, you know, because a lot of times, like, you know, films, uh, especially from different cultures, their roots kind of show through in different parts. Uh, yeah. And that's, I think that was showing, that was the Korean drama, drama kind of showing through. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's think about it this way. Let's think about all of the drama that occurs on it. We've got the class structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got this melodrama with the kids at the end. We've got the sisterly melodrama. We've got the pregnant lady melodrama. Got the dating couple me- has- melodrama. The kidding like it hits every single K drama cliche. The only thing that needs to be is that two people fall in love and they can't because they're from different classes. They're from different hierarchies. Or the mother doesn't approve and they're still in love anyway. Maybe that's how the father and the and the mother broke up. Maybe. Dun, dun, dun. Was- oh, and the, the the grandma over the phone. Yep. The Resident Evil grandma over the phone. Yeah, I'm a zombie now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they hit every single cliche. They didn't have a kimchi slap, though. They needed a kimchi slap. Oh, God, where was the kimchi? You're fucking right. Where, where, There's no kimchi in this movie. God. Okay, that's not really right. We thought something really racist, though. We should probably stop. No, dude. Or the fried you know chicken. They eat ki- they, 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 they eat kimchi for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know that as well as I do. True. <laughs> kimchi is a proud Korean cultural tradition. Has kimchi become a bigger thing like where you are? Like, I, I feel like I'm seeing kimchi in stores now, and it's kind of weirding me out. I have never... Well, I mean, it's, it's really only like special... It's only specialty stores like Korean marts around here, oh. that sort of thing. So, otherwise... Like, Korean, some Korean foods are being brought over now and kind of part of like the, 
uh-huh. like the oriental sections of our grocery stores now, and, and it's really overpriced. I'm like, God, that's mm-hmm. this is so cheap in Korea. <laughs> like, yeah, no, there's been a couple like Korean fried chicken places opening up oh, here and dude, there, I want like Banchan, uh, not not Banchan, uh, Kyochan, Kyochan's there, uh, Pelicans in um, the, the, the Koreatown mm-hmm. in New York City. There's actually a Banchan that opened up in Salem here. It's actually not as good. It's kind of sad. I drove I drove like an hour oh, to get there one day, and it was. Banchan was my favorite. Dude, I, no, I always loved, oh um, something, it was like a, it was, it was a sound, something, something, tang tang chicken. That, yeah, or nay nay chicken. Yeah, dude, I'm, Dom and I would always get that, that shit was great. Uh-huh, that's great. Anyway, welcome <laughs> to our food podcast, we've completely transitioned over, we're changing our brand, we've gone from horror movies to Korean food, and that's how we're doing it. <laughs> So yeah, dad sacrifices himself, uh, get that really cheesy flashback of the baby as he slowly throws himself off the train and kind of runs on the tracks and tears, tears, bam, 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 bam. And then we cut to our final scene. Um, pregnant lady and daughter are walking on through, um, basically they get to the end of the line and they come across this battlefield where all these zombie corpses, definitely dead zombie corpses, are just kind of sitting there, laying there. And there's this very dark tunnel, and they decide to walk on through and do their own thing. Um, on the other end is a bunch of military personnel, and the military is contacting someone by radio saying, hey, there's two people approaching, should we fire? They can only see them sil- their silhouettes. They get back, and they say, we'll check for infection, see if they've been bitten, if you can see it. They say, no, we can't see anything, and then they get the command, okay, go ahead and fire on them. They're just about to fire, and everyone in the film's going to die. Except at this point, Suan, the daughter, tearfully sings Aloha, the same very song that she wanted to sing to her dad in the pageantry. And it's an Oscar moment. It really, really is. <laughs> so that was that. Um, but eventually they hear the song and the military says, oh, wait a second, they're human. And they stand up, they rush on over to them and the credits roll with Aloha. And that is Train to Busan. Mm -hmm. So Andrew, what did you think of Train to Busan? You know, I liked it. Really? Yeah. I thought you didn't. I didn't. I think, thought you I, didn't. I didn't actually. In the past, having that's why it. I picked this movie because I wanted a movie where we disagreed. And you said you hated this movie, I, didn't you? I, when I first saw, it, I did not like it. But uh-huh. I will also say, I think part of it is I think I don't know if I paid attention to it very much. Well, no, I didn't pay attention to it because um, I remember the, I, I remember <laughs> all the boxer guys scenes and everything. I don't think yeah. I liked it very much. I think that um, I think. I don't know. I think it was just, I don't, I don't know if I was just in the right place for it at that time. Like maybe I, I think Snowpiercer just tainted me a lot. And like, I just like didn't want to see another Korean movie on a fucking train. And I was just like, fuck this. Um, and I thought like, you know, I, I think that our, how we discussed that it was a, it's a well-made movie, but there's nothing really super special about it. Yeah. I mean, the big draw for me, once again, it was because it was sets in a setting that's so intimately familiar to me. Yeah. It's, you know, Don Dago Station, I, I went there literally like once every other week. Seoul Station, I had been there dozens of times. KTX, I've driven back and forth. And just Korean culture in general. It's, like I said, the best zombie movies have commentary, well, social commentary on it. And I was really, really interested to see what this additional setting would have to say about zombies. And it's, 
you did make some points, and you did make me think some things, especially that tie metaphor when they're lapping up the door. Like, I would not have thought about that at all, but... You know, I don't I'm know. a genius, but you are. But, but. <laughs> I, I think a lot of it is the nostalgia. I think for me, like the, the I think what made it really fun was like you know I miss Korea was a fun part of our lives. It was informative part. Oh yeah, part Korea of was years. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too, the one thing that I'll say is like, I, I think I, I don't know with you. I definitely became jaded in my time in Korea, and I think that there were things that like you know I, I still love it. and I want to go back, but I think there were a lot mm-hmm. of things of the society that I kind of. Not had issue with, but like I, I noticed a lot of the cultural things that this movie comments on, so it was kind of nice to see that and be like, oh, okay, it wasn't just me. That's mm-hmm. what this movie's, you know, meta story is is this yeah. like and what what's behind it. And I think it's interesting too because I think that having lived in that country and lived in that society for a couple of years, like I think you and I have a, a more understanding of what they're commenting on and having firsthand mm-hmm. seen some of the things they're showing. But at the same time, I also feel like I have to preface this as, like, a disclaimer. Like, we were obviously foreigners over in Korea. We did not get the full Korean experience because, you know, no matter how long we spent in Korea and how much we integrated ourselves into the society, there's still going to be nuances. There's still going to be stuff that we just don't understand because we weren't born and raised there. Yeah. And we're not Korean. That's not our nationality. That's not our ethnicity. And we are always going to be outsiders there. No, completely. Um, yeah. So I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to say that as if like we were experts on it by any Yeah, way. no, no, no. I didn't say you were. I'm just for any angry Korean listener. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just, that's our that's our disclaimer right yeah, there. Like, I, I, we loved your country. Yeah, no, I, I loved our time uh-huh. there. I loved I loved being there. But uh, but you know, but I think I think I guess what I mean to say is not necessarily that it's anything indicative of Korea, but it was a, it was interesting to see the way that the zombie commentary plays out in a different culture. Yes. Because I think in the yes. U.S., obviously, what we mostly talk about is consumerism and prejudice. And that's what comes mm-hmm. out in a lot of the Romero films. Is like, And then over here was class structure and the hierarchy and uh, just, you know, uh, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head where you said it's blindly following what someone else on the social hierarchy ladder says. And, and part of me wonders, like, was this movie a response to the say well? Like, was, was this partly meant to comment on that because it seems okay. it, it, we should talk about it, that say will happen so it's very interesting yes that like say will happen 2013 i want to say 2016 it was right after i came to creator yeah it was um, our first summer there but, i think yeah but anyway uh for those of anyone who are not familiar that was a very very tragic accident that happened in korea it was a um ferry that was transporting from the northern coast to the southern coast and through a series of massive massive fuck-ups and people not doing their jobs and not responding to things um it sank and, and it, lots and lots of people drowned unfortunately and the unfortunate thing about that was it was, it was a lot of school children it was, they were going on a mm-hmm. trip they were on a it was a school trip primarily where was like a couple of different schools were there and mm-hmm. a lot of these kids just like they have video of them talking and being like they don't want to mm-hmm. die and like being told, like, mm-hmm. calling their family. As it was sinking, and, yeah, it, it was sank. really, it was really, really heart-wrenching. Um, and I remember the mood in Korea that day. It was, it was pretty bad. Um, but when the details of the event came on out, a big part of the criticism was that there were a lot of things that were wrong and people noticed that these things were wrong people noticed that the ship was not up to par people realized that the captain was not doing what he was supposed to be doing but no one spoke up and no one said anything because and once again this is from an outsider's perspective but there was that pressure to 
not tell someone else higher up on the social ladder that they're wrong. Well, and 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 part of that too is like like the for like some of the sketchy things that Wong was like uh, the person who owned the boat had let out water because mm-hmm. basically boat boats have usually an amount of water in the bottom and this keeps them capsized, keeps them flipping over because the water weights it down um, in the bottom part of the hull and. The reason they did this was so they could actually put more on the ship. So that people were like, all right, well, if we weight down the top more, we can put more cargo on the ship if we let out the water on the bottom so that it doesn't, mm-hmm. so that it weighs less. But what this does is it reduces the ability for the ship to stay upright because you now have mm-hmm. a top heavy boat with less water at the bottom holding it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it hit some rocks on the way to Jeju Island, I believe, um, it just flipped over. Um, mm-hmm. And when this first started happening, the kids and everybody is told to stay in their seats and to not leave when they could have gotten to the top of the deck and escaped. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the criticism came to later was that the captain got off the ship pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Which I, I, I think again, that that's kind of, I think going down with the ship is stupid. Um, I think that mm-hmm. that is an idiotic idea that somebody should have to go down with their ship um, until the last person's off. But, but if you're responsible for it, you should make sure everyone else is taken care of first. Especially if you told people to stay on the ship, you should not get the fuck off the ship. <laughs> that is a that is a problem. But like, it's really mm-hmm. harrowing to watch the videos of it. And there's some videos where you can see it looks like you can see people as the boat's about to capsize. People like at windows that are like exposed to the air, and then it goes down. Mm-hmm. And it's like really sad. Um, yeah. And I, again, like, I wonder was this partly a response to that? Because it, if if not a response to it, then a commentary on something that was apparently pretty pervasive at the time. Yeah. I don't think so directly because honestly, all things considered, this is a very by the numbers zombie movie. It's, I really, I think you can pull in observations and you can pull in commentary, but I genuinely don't think most of it was intentional. I think it's just kind of a, Hey, this is a disaster set in Korean culture this is probably the most likely scenario of what's going to cause that. So, so more that they were both products of the culture mm-hmm. as opposed to one inspiring the other. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. But again, and I, I feel like we've been rapping on this a lot, but I, it is by no means a condemnation of Korean culture at all. Oh, like, yeah. 100%. Like, these are, these are things that happen in cultures around the world, and some cultures have, mm-hmm. like, you know, d- different problems that might not oh, be yeah. the same, but might, mm-hmm. but still, create issues like i think like a lot of the like the united states has a bunch of issues and like i think like, mm-hmm. the, the pervasiveness 100%. of our horror movies and the very ways in which they are expressed are a sign of the different fears and the different issues that we face um, yeah i mean dawn of the dead was very critical of consumerism it wasn't criticizing america but consumerism is a huge huge part of american culture mm-hmm. and, and, so. and honestly i think that you could draw parallels with uh the coo and certain people in the united states Honestly, so mm-hmm. I, th- oh, yeah. I think that it's, it's, I don't think, obviously we're, we're taking from the Korean, from a discussion of Korean culture because it's Korean film, but it is definitely a very, you could take the same movie and set it in any other country and it'd be the exact same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe yep. Denmark, maybe not Denmark. Denmark seems to be great. Maybe not Denmark. Denmark, Denmark doesn't have too many zombies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that is Train to Busan. Uh, my opinion, it's... It's a solid zombie movie. It has a unique setting. There's definitely little bits and pieces that we picked up on that most people will not pick up on if they're not familiar with Korean culture. But 
I, I do think it's overrated. Like, I really liked it the first time I watched it. The second time I watched it, I'm actually the opposite of you. I actually liked it worse. <laughs> well, so. well, part of what I think the issue was, and I think it's part of what why people love Snowpiercer and shit, and maybe uh-huh. Old Boy. I think Old Boy is good, but not that great. I think Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is a lot better, which is... An, okay, so real quick, I mean, there's a complete segue. Have you seen Parasite yet? No, I want to, though. It's it's on my list. I am very, very curious to see your opinion on that one, but we'll talk about that later. But Anyway, like, continue. Like, But um, I think part of it, I think part of the reason this movie did so well was I think because it is a foreign film and because mm-hmm. at that point Korea didn't really Korea had kind of Korea has had a US renaissance lately in the sense that oh, yeah. K, Korean culture K-pop like I think that it's the time that you and I went to Korea was a very interesting time because it's this time when I think South mm-hmm. Korea became more of an influencer in the United States um, Gangnam Style got a billion views and yeah Old, old Boy was becoming popular in the Old Boy remake um mm-hmm. And K-pop, movies K dramas, everything. Like it was, it's yeah. become a big thing. Like BTS is doing something for New Year's Eve tonight. Like mm-hmm. it's it's become a lot bigger. And I think that as a result, I think uh, a lot of people became really fascinated with this and with uh, Snowpiercer and Mother and Korean movies that were coming over. And I think to a degree, and I don't know if it's appropriate or not, um, in the sense that I think that a lot of people tend to value foreign films as more of an art house than they are. If that makes sense, like I think, I think. I mean, it depends on the nation. Like a French art film, yeah, definitely that's you know going to be regarded more art house. But what? Well, I, I, yeah, I have to say that like, I feel like I feel like foreign films tend to fall more of an, into an indie category, which sometimes gets more laurels for being that. If that makes sense, like, and, and I'm not saying this is that I think this, I think this movie beats the shit out of mo- a lot of modern horror movies. I'd, I'd say mm-hmm. out of most of the horror movies I've seen that have been released in theaters lately, this takes the cake for being better than all of them. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just think that, like, you know, it takes the shit out of it too. Jesus Christ, that movie's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, <laughs> I, I think that part of the reason that I think it may have been kind of it's to me that may have turned me off to when I first saw it was that everybody was singing its praises. And I think mm. having gone, having stepped away from that, I've ever been like, oh, it's so great. It's from Korea. And like this mm-hmm. almost idea that like, it's not Hollywood. So we should give mm-hmm. it like, so we should love it. Like, I don't know. I felt like there was a, a reactive atmosphere towards it that I, yeah. I think. Okay. So you're out. saying that you're a hipster and you didn't like it because you were, po- it was popular. I, I think, I think everyone just talked it up so much. So when I got to see it, I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Yeah. And that's, I mean, we, we can kind of talk about that for, literally every single piece of media but yeah you, you got to separate the media or the fan base like if i could not separate the media from the fan base i would not enjoy rick and morty at all oh god yeah jeez uh, god i hate rick and morty's fan base it's, it's, actually i was funny i was talking to somebody a little bit a while ago about be more chill the musical uh which mm-hmm. i love and as and i mentioned like uh, my my overwatch name is is a uh, akin to that series is like a reference to that and somebody is like, wow, like, like, oh, you like that? Like, but yeah, the, the fan base is shit. And I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't really know what the fan base existed until after. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, they're assholes. Um, but yeah, the fan base of things can destroy things, I think. And I think. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's definitely a problem. I think that, that's where my knee jerk reaction came to that. But honestly, I think part, maybe because I've just been watching like this entire month, all I've watched, aside from you and Dirty John, which are great, you should watch those. But I've been watching, like, literally every shitty Hallmark Christmas movie. Like, every one that's on <laughs> Netflix, I have seen it. Um, like, Okay, so is that the one... Uh, have you been watching the one where the... Um, 
busy business lawyer girl from a big city goes back to her small town and finds this farm boy who teaches her the true meaning of Christmas and also there's a dog. Have you been watching that one specific one? Like I've I that sounds like eight of them, but yes. <laughs> like like That's the joke, dude. I, uh, like I, I watch it Christmas night, Christmas in the uh Christmas in the wild, Christmas break in, like literally every movie we've watched them. Um and okay, so, so I, I think... did have one Christmas where I played a drinking game to that. But anyway, continue. I've been there. No, 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 please. No. I, but like, uh, I think that that also plays a, a, a role in how much I love this movie because I was just like, holy shit, a well-made movie with production values and it's a horror movie that I haven't gotten to see in a while. Like, yes, I was like, I borderline think I loved watching this movie. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It was very nice to watch. It was cathartic. It was so it was, cathartic. It was... Uh, and I think, like, it was, you know, the, the nostalgia of Korea, the nostalgia of these kind of movies. And, like, I hadn't seen uh-huh. a good zombie movie in a while, aside from, like, and in the Apocalypse is probably the last zombie movie I watched. Yeah. Which, by the way, is on Amazon Prime now, so fucking watch that shit. What? Oh, yes, absolutely. We're going to push that one. And on the Apocalypse, Amazon Prime. Watch it. We've also done an episode on that, so listen to that as well. It's so good. It's good. But, yeah, that's The soundtrack on. is so good. Just so you know. Tossing that out there. Uh-huh. Absolutely. All right. Sounds good. Well, any final thoughts? Oh, actually, I meant to ask. Have you seen Soul Station? Uh, yes, I was going to ask you that, too. No, I have not. It's on Amazon Prime also. I watched it a couple times. I watched it again for this. Uh, okay, quick. 30-second uh, spiel. Pretty good and unique animation, but harrowing in the sense that, like, no one comes out clean. That Like, it's not a happy movie. It's not like this one. It's mm-hmm. very... Everybody's a shitty person. Everybody hmm. you meet is a shitty person. Nothing ends up well. Um, it's a downer. Okay. It's, I would, okay. If you're going to watch these movies, definitely watch that first. It takes place before this movie anyway. It's kind of about the outbreak in Seoul, which is where they leave from. So I would mm-hmm. definitely suggest watching that and then watching this. But also, like, this one, not to say it's a kid's movie, but I could see you watching it with maybe somebody who's, like, 14, 13, you know? I could see middle mm-hmm. schoolers watching it's this movie. It's more melodramatic. It's more... It's more drama. Yeah, but... I guess the best way to describe it. But I'd argue that Soul Station is more dark. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's not... It's... I don't want... It's not a movie I want to watch again. Mm -hmm. It's... It's... Yeah. It's a short movie, but it's... It's darker. And it's... uh, I think it Mm -hmm. it, it kind of goes into the seedier aspects of the city and seedier aspects of people. You see a lot more people acting like assholes and being darker. It's a lot more of Mm -hmm. like... In this one, we have a villain... In Soul Station, I think there's a lot more villains that you see. Shades of Grey. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. it's not a happy film. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's that. Well, thank you so much for listening. This has been Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. Once again, thank you to our opening song. That is Teddy's Atlas with the song Horror Movie Story. You can get that off the album Children of the Corn. And fuck, I forgot to do a horror movie quote at the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs>